Cineboys to Cinemen, episode 19. 19. Hope you're well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, another unplanned hiatus. Yeah, strange that. It's yeah, just, I don't know uh, how it happened. I guess going on stags, yeah. moving house. Living lives. Living lives. Happens. You know, busy boys. But we're back this week uh, and for many other weeks. Yes. No interruptions, no excuses. No, we can't. No. Uh, not again. No, yeah. I <laughs> no. mean, considering the sheer amount of uh, correspondence we've received, outraged yeah. outraged fans. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think it's safe to say we won't be missing another week. No, no. no. I'm not going to any other stag, weekend stags or anything anymore. No way. Yeah, wedding as well. Let's just not go to any Yeah, I'm weddings. not going. Yeah, yeah I'm not going yeah. to any. Yeah. <laughs> I've been looking for an excuse, so there it is. Uh, this week... Uh, the Master Gardener, Paul Schrader, completing his trilogy of lost souls, mm. redemptive arcs. Yep. Man in a Room stories. So, like, voiceover, male protagonist hunched over a desk seems to be quite like a mm-hmm. common theme amongst <laughs> the, these films. <laughs> Indeed, in a lot of Schrader's work generally, broadly yeah. speaking. Mm. So we'll review the film, obviously. Okay. Preceding that will be a discussion about Schrader's work mm. uh, because he's quite a pivotal figure, certainly in American cinema. Yeah. Uh, not only as a writer and then a director, but as a film theorist mm. and contributing a lot of sort of themes and ideas, not only in his work, but in his essays and his book, which ah. I think um, tells you a lot about him as a film watcher and indeed as a filmmaker. So Ooh, okay. um, we'll get into the nitty gritty of that later. Nice. Uh, speaking of later, should we get there now? Let's do it now. Questing the cinematic void. Okay then. Before we begin the discussion and then the review, it's time for our new segment, something we teased Ooh. earlier. It's uh, emails. emails of the week. Of the week. <laughs> week. Yes, yeah, on. yeah. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. So, yeah, we uh, put our email address out there to you. The adoring listener, and um, well, just, yeah, just the one listener, <laughs> just the adoring <laughs> listener, yeah, yeah, singular. And uh, it was an opportunity for you guys to sort of like, you know, get involved in some of the discussions we've had, um, ask us questions, critique yeah. our opinions, or even take the piss. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. desperate. We'll so read them out. We'll take. We'll take anything. Mm. Uh, so I've got an email here from uh, Google. Google. Google, oh. and it says. Uh, uh, we noticed a new sign-in to no. your Google account yeah. on a Chrome OS device. If that was you, you don't need to do anything. If not, we'll help. We'll help you to secure your account. Check activity. That's good of them. Yeah, I, interesting. Not didn't, really. We didn't get anything. No, we didn't get anything. No, we, we haven't had a, a single email. No. Um, I think I'm chalking that down to the. This is on me, by the way, um, not advertising the episode on our Instagram, <laughs> despite it being up for about a week. So. Uh, <laughs> To sort of calm our bruised ego, that's what I'm going to say. Or put ointment on the yeah bruised ego. Do you put ointment on bruises? I don't, personally, no, I, but I'm sure it has happened in the past. I just urinate on them. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's probably urinate on myself. Yeah, yeah, much easier. Yeah, I, cheap. Yeah, cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, no, do, do email, though, if you have any questions about anything. C-I-N-E-B-O-I-S-2, number two, C-I-N-E-B-O-I-S, at gmail.com. Yes, um, it'd be great to have some um, actual human <laughs> interaction. We're going to put out a a poll on our Instagram. I don't know how to do that. My partner's going to help us do that. Yeah, I've got yeah. a clue. But um, <laughs> to see how we can sort of generate some interaction from you guys, because I think it'd be a nice little addition to have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. To get off your lazy fucking asses and do it, you bastards. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> bitterness aside. No. Uh, trader. Yes. As mentioned earlier in the intro, a pivotal figure in the formation of uh, new wave American cinema mm. from the 1970s onwards. Yeah, definitely. Perhaps most famously known for his collaborations with Martin Scorsese as a writer. Yeah. And even more famously on top of that, Taxi Driver. Yep. Uh, and then I'm working with him, of course, subsequently on films such as Bringing Out the Dead. Mm. Oh, he did The Last Temptation of Christ. Last Temptation well. of Christ, which I imagine would have been quite personal for him as he had yeah. a really huge... As religion's a huge influence on his work oh, and big him time. as a human mm. being, yeah. But also a, a, a bona fide genius in his own right as a director, responsible yeah. for many great films, some pretty naff ones as well. As I, was, as I think you want to mention a couple of. Yeah, I watched one. Well, I watched an hour of one of them last night. 
and uh, mate, it was it was dreadful. It was wow. genuinely dreadful. Well, but I'm looking forward to hearing about it because I've not seen it and I only yeah. know little things about it. So interesting. Yeah, but um, you know, every director's got a couple of duds under them, I guess, or the vast yeah. majority of them do. Yeah, but all, you know that shouldn't um, detract anyone from seeking out his great films. I think talking, you know, Blue Collar, Machine um, Life, and Four Chapters, uh, Hardcore. And his more recent films, this trilogy. Yes. In fact, you know, uh, the, the Master Gardener concludes. Um, first Reform, starting with First Reformed. Yep. The middle being... The Card Counter. The Card Counter, which I actually mm. haven't seen, which is really shitty of me, considering right. doing an I've, episode I've about I've not but... seen a lot of his filmography, actually. Okay. <laughs> Just to kind of put that out there now. <laughs> sort of feel the gap, because you have seen Card Counter. I have, And yes. I've seen most of his older films, so okay. we can sort of good, good. tack it in from there. Tack it together. Yeah. Frankenstein of... Monster of film opinion <laughs> yeah, about yeah. Paul Schrader. Yeah. But yeah, the point is, is this guy's a, huge, a big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, not only that, he is a film essayist and theorist. Mm. Um, someone that was brought up in a very strict religious household, wasn't allowed to engage with the, much culture as a result. Mm. Uh, broke away from religion, uh, broke away from all of that, disavowed religion, although he's turned back to Christianity now in his older age. Really? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, he found cinema and cinema became the medium that sort of enveloped him and, and put him on the journey to being obviously the yeah. writer director he is but yeah. he in, his book is incredibly famous in film theory circles film mm. academic circles and it's called um transcendental cinema the term that he coined for films that sort of eschew realism in favor of a slow cinema so it's like a, a cinema often devoid of answers uh uninterested in sort of overt and ex- or explicit conclusion Yep. Uh, and disinterested also in finding sort of catharsis in narrative payoff. That's that's actually, do you know what, I didn't know that. That's really interesting because one of my points I was going to make about him is that his films can often appear like quite stilted at first, yeah. I, I always think. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no sort of obvious style and it feels like you're sort of watching a play. But the dialogue and stage directions are sort of quite obviously presented and it takes a while to get used to it. But mm-hmm. eventually it kind of washes over you, right? And you get a sort of, Oh no! Wait, these are actually brilliant performances, and like, this is there is something else going on here. It's not just stilted in like a bad way. It's no, just like no, a no. really unique style. Yeah. Um, and I thought that you know we'll talk about the Master Gardener in a bit, but that it was really, really present in the Master Gardener and in the, a card counter as well. Mm. Especially thought it was yeah, kind of a unique approach. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting you say that because I think by his own estimation, the catharsis doesn't come from, as I said before, narrative payoff. Mm or the conclusion of a character's arc, per se. Yeah. It's more being sort of enveloped in the stasis of a movie. Yeah. So the pacing of a film envelops you in a way that that's the catharsis. You know? Okay, yeah. And you're sort yeah. of submerged by the unknown, the unknowable. And the book focused explicitly on filmmakers like Bresson or Ozu. Uh, and he really sort of dug deep into aspects of their work. Um I've not seen every Ozu film, I've not seen every Bresson film, but from having an idea of what Schrader was talking about, certainly with Ozu, I'll, I'll sort of go with Ozu because I know a bit more about his work. He He's absolutely on the money there about this sort of exploration of the unknowable. Okay, you know, these yeah. sort of, you know, translating that cocktail of potent, sort of almost unexplicable feelings and ideas onto the screen in a way that feels cuckold really authentic yeah it, yeah okay it, it's not an easy thing to do i think a no. lot of people would see it as a cop-out but mm. um it's i think harder than actually probably yeah, you know, yeah. coming up with a film that's got a clear structure yeah well, obviously that has its own challenges but i think there's something really in that it's interesting because it's not necessarily focused so much on reality per se mm. or portraying a, a sense of realism but i think there is a sense of realism in enveloping you as an audience member in that sort of stasis that the characters are experiencing. Yeah. And within that, having a connection on the basis of the unknowable. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you point out that, that a lot of his films feel that way. Yeah. And you can tell that this theory that he sort of pioneered, you know, and has become, you know, one of the mainstay theories in film academia, it's a central part of a lot of his work. Not all. Mm. Um, but it will, a lot of his films will have elements of that. Right, okay. But yeah, I think yeah. in the case of Master Gardener, it feels pretty obvious to me anyway, and I think you said that when you, you, know, when you chimed in, it's very much like that. Yeah, to the, to the extent where when I started watching it, I was like, 
I don't know if I like this. <laughs> yeah, but okay. I ended up really, really enjoying the film actually. Yeah. But it took it took about ten minutes for me to kind of get on board with that with that feeling that yes. he's trying to portray. And like yeah. initially, it just looked like kind of it sort of reminded me a bit of quite a young filmmaker trying trying stuff out. And then I I realized about ten minutes in, I was like, okay, now there's actually some mastery going on here. But yeah. it, it does take a while to get used to, which is why I'm a bit gutted I didn't see it at the cinema, actually, because I think it, that would have washed over me a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched it uh, at home uh, through legitimate means, of course. <laughs> but I was looking for it. I, I, I w- searched for it on Netflix before, and I couldn't find it. Like, obviously, you know, you sort of always have to check. And then this time, last night, I was like, oh, my God, it's on there. I started watching it, and I was like, what the fuck? Raph, like, Raph Fiennes is in this. And like, I was like, hold on a minute, what's going on? I was watching The Constant Gardener. I was going to say, it was yeah, The Constant yeah. Gardener. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, so I had to find it elsewhere. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah that's, uh, that, that was a little bit like really confusing. So I was like, this doesn't, doesn't feel right. Like, this is set in, this is set in Africa. Africa. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> no. This isn't it. Yeah, Joel Edgerton is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, this is the mediation of redemption through the yeah. lens of... White supremacy and the no. race ideology that's destroying America. No, yeah. seems like quite a sort of trite love story so far. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Humorous uh, story number one, <laughs> and, the, and the only one actually. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, I've got, none. I've got nothing. Um, I guess his filmography would be a good place to start. And yeah. again, we sort of mentioned earlier that he's obviously most famously his collaborations with Scorsese as his sort of writer for some of a lot of his great films. Yeah, yeah. Raging Bull was another. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, we're probably missing out. Well, oh yeah, he's one of those. Like, I didn't even know that he wrote uh, until very recently that he wrote Bringing Out the Dead. Yeah, same. Well, I had no idea about that, and that is one of my low-key favorite Scorsese movies, and I had no mm. idea. So, yeah, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, great film. But he's someone that I guess, and this applies to him as a director as well. I think is that he. He's the master of pulling you into the sort of the world of the lonely. Yeah, yeah. Into definitely. this sort of into you know you he can sort of almost put you in in the headspace of loneliness mm. um, or souls bogged down by isolation, their demons, biases, or sort of their proclivities. Oh wow, okay. Um, and I think you ultimately because of that sort of transcendental approach, that slow burn approach leaves a lot of time for characterization and mm. and not in the way that serves like a grander sort of three act structure that I'm sure you could apply that to you know most of his films if not a few of them yeah yeah um you know the, it's all about serving that again that that sort of the unknown yeah yeah and i think that works really well in sort of submerging you as a viewer in the worlds of these characters these people that are clearly uh not quite right yeah yeah and through that you you connect with them you empathize with them and you begin to th- think that you understand them yeah what makes it sort of doubly more interesting i guess on on the ba- on that basis is that it you know you're connecting to people that often representations of a part of society that so many desperately attempt to ignore yeah okay yeah and how that sort of the the ignoring of that type of individual or just this this way of life is reflective of a wider issue in society mm. and then as you connect with that and start to get on board with that the characters tend to have it of almost sort of betraying you yes and that betrayal almost says more about the the, the society they inhabit the space they inhabit yeah yeah obviously taxi driver is the textbook example of that right and yeah you know, travis bickle a war veteran you know comes back from vietnam into a into a world that you know it doesn't give two shits about what he's done, what yeah. he's seen. Mm. He's clearly really unwell, yeah. Uh, and he is just left to etch out this sort of sad, lonely existence where he desperately looks for things to sort of nail his colours to the mast mm. on, and that leads him down this dark path. And his attempts to connect with others just you know end up in complete failure because he's not built or fit or been supported enough. Yeah. To engage with human beings, just, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just the fundamental aspects of communication that he just cannot do. Mm. He deliberately picks a career path that facilitates that inability to sort of <laughs> communicate with others. And as the film goes on, you start to sort of feel empathy for him on the basis that this is clearly just a human being that has been chewed up and spat out mm. as a result of 
some sort of American imperialism goes to war, comes yeah. back, and all the flag waving and all of that is just artifice. And what's left behind is this sort of individual that's got no support networks and nothing. And you connect with him on that basis. Yeah, yeah. And there's also, I always think, like in a lot of his work, they do eventually meet someone who they kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it happens in the Master Gardener, it happens in the Card Counter, it happens in Taxi Driver with Jodie Foster's character. Yeah, First Reformed as well with the the environmental activist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's always someone that sort of semi-brings them out of that sort of sordid grief hole. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. um, And they like... The way they react to it is like quite unusual. They're sort of charmed by them, but and yet it's this—it's the classic thing, you know, the drive thing, the scorpion and the frog, right? The the fact that no no matter what happens, they will always ultimately semi, even if the ending is like quite happy for them. Yeah, yeah. They get dragged back into that world that they inhabited previously, and their sort of attempt to to sort of lift them out of that hole is always. I always think it kind of fails. Like even yeah. you know, even at the end of Taxi Driver, which is like quite redemptive, it, it's still in his nature to be kind of. You, you still feel like he's going to be the same sort of person afterwards. Yeah, right? you know, it's interesting yeah. that as well because these characters that end up sort of you know supporting the the main character and bringing them a little bit back into the world are also troubled individuals yeah, oh, as completely. well. Yeah, so yeah. that almost sort of. You know, it's about these sort of troubled individuals finding each other. Yeah, yeah. And sort of like trying to figure out this way to sort of scramble up Mm. together and and get something meaningful out of one another. And it's interesting you talk about Taxi Driver in the context of the ending, that redemptive ending. There's so much discourse about that being a fantasy. Yes. And fantasy, I think, is a key part of Schrader's, particularly his later work about these masculine figures Mm, or the masculine archetypes that he writes about these figures you know, who are dogged by demons of, what, of many different kinds seeking mm. redemption. Yeah. And often uh, I sort of felt that in, the, in Master Gardener as well, there's this sort of veneer of fantasy. It yep. doesn't quite sort of sit right with the sort of trajectory of the character, mm. despite yeah. the fact that he clearly is someone that is, is, is on a path of, to redemption. Yeah, yeah. And in some ways, I mean, depending on your worldview, I know this is a particularly divisive film given the subject matter. Oh God! I yeah. felt was sort of deserving of that, and we'll get into that a little bit more later on. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that fantasy element is really interesting, and I think the idea that him going in and killing—it's pimps, isn't it? He kills a taxi driver. Is it pimps? Yes. Yeah. Is it Harvey Keitel? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of people are saying that's just that the fallout is redemptive. Like everyone's really yeah. supportive. Yeah, yeah. But it's not in a way that sort of derails that sort of—I um, don't know—that sort of the tone of, of, Sh- of Schrader's work and that's in a sense that he is poking questions about wider society and the, and the response to that, even if it is a fantasy, is yeah. troubling. Yeah, yeah. It's somewhat representative of how some people feel about mm. this need to clean America up. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's, um, there's a very obvious fantastical moment in the Master Gardener where yeah. they're driving along that road and then all the flowers yeah, start blooming. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was really odd for me. And also, like, I forgot how sentimental he can be when he wants yeah, to be. Yeah, he can yeah. be really quite sweet about <laughs> yeah, romance and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Even if the romance is in itself like sort of troubling and unusual, like there's still always a, I mean, a morally ambiguous <laughs> yeah. sweetness about it. You know, That's I mean? a really good way of putting it. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah, it's really interesting. Because <laughs> he... He is a filmmaker that's sort of, I think he is obviously someone that, as you said, is very sentimental, but he's also some, a filmmaker that doesn't like ruffling feathers. No, God, and, yeah. You know, he's been commenting quite a lot on the sort of woke culture, and he's very critical of that. Yes. Um, from a creative perspective. You know, he, he was saying that he, in an interview a few years ago, he was going to, not a few years ago, I can't remember how long ago it was, but he was going to hire Kevin Spacey for a film and stuff like that. Do you know right, what I mean? Yeah, so I think yeah. He's got this streak in him. He's got this ability in him to what, to, to, to ruffle feathers and yeah. to feel frustrated and to sort of champion the art form of cinema above anything else, which yeah. obviously has its troubling connotations <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. it. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, this is someone that, that's why I sort of find him so fascinating on the Mm. basis that he you know he's clearly a sentimental fella yeah uh, and he's so he's commenting on a lot of the sort of darknesses and the troubles of American society in a very meaningful shocking way Mm. but he also has this propensity to be like this sort of like someone just likes to ruffle feathers and doesn't mind sort of throwing his opinion out there even if the landscape is sort of 
generally speaking or broadly speaking over it yeah, <laughs> over what yeah. he has to say you completely know? he's a sort of he's a provocateur isn't he like that's, that's it, yeah. sort of the thing that I think he sort of prides himself in that yeah. and it can be a little bit like he can sort of devalue himself without realising there's a lot of stuff he puts on Facebook that Lee Lee remembers off by heart by the yeah, way yeah, he's, his Facebook yeah <laughs> page is a treasure trove <laughs> yeah it's yeah. mental it is absurd yeah um but it's strange because then you make something like you know the master gardener and the car counter and they're like really competently made and like he's not insane like he knows what he's doing he's a very clever bloke yeah, you know? yeah yeah clearly um but it is unusual and like he does you know he it's not like he's against being a decent human either that's not what he's no he's championing against it's like there's a lot of stuff, especially in the card counter and the master gardener. There's there's stuff to do with um, sort of race in there, which is I actually think like quite modern uh, yeah. opinions. I mean, not not modern, as in like I guess woke would be the only way to describe it, really. But you know, it, it, there's a compassionate side to him and a very liberal side to him as well. I think which does show. Yeah. You know, I think this film certainly divided a lot of people. Certainly mm. in the context of the modern lens in which we watch films, and a lot of people mm. watch films. Yeah, and I can sort of understand that. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. It yeah. sort of reminded me of the fallout. It wasn't quite as intense actually, but the fallout of um, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Right. Oh yeah. And that film obviously mm. with the redemptive arc of Sam Rockwell's character. Yes. Sure. Obviously, that generated. A, that was a a really sort of semi-heated cultural discussion about the worth of these kind of characters having redemptive arcs. Yeah, yeah, um, And I think that's a discussion that should be had. I mean, mm. regardless which side you sit on the fence, it's a discussion it's interesting to have. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, people have this habit of saying, oh, these people, you know, they, they just want to ruin it. But these kind of discussions have sort of always happened yeah. in, in film discourse. I just think maybe they're more publicised because of things like the internet, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there's a similar discussion to be had here. I think... Schrader earns Schrader's characterization of that uh, not only the troubling ideology but the subsequent redemption for me earns it more than mm. three billboards yeah um, I'd agree with that actually I didn't think three billboards I, I thought Sam Rockwell's character was quite interesting as well but this one does it even better yeah I, I would say so I think partially down to performance again Rockwell's a great actor yeah but Edgerton blows it out the fucking water on this film yeah 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 there's a great line in it where he's just like i used to be this person but now i'm just a gardener and that kind of sums it up really yeah Um, yeah like schrader's attitude towards change and how people can change Mm. and i really think he believes that people can have a second chance yeah yeah um as is you know I mean, there you go. That that's redemption right there, isn't yeah, it? Which yeah, is yeah. A, a through line in all of his, well, a lot of his work, anyway. Even even bringing out the dead has that ever so slightly. When he, you know, when he meets Patricia Arquette, mm. and and he he gets lifted out of that sort of narcissism uh, and insomniac kind of like mad madness. Yeah, you know, yeah. He sort of gets yes. lifted out of that, and there's a redemptive side to that character as well. So yeah. It's interesting, and we we talk about this idea of him being socially conscious, and not in a way that it should offset any of his sort of more troubling remarks, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I think about films like Blue Collar, you know, uh, Richard Pryor, Harvey Keitel, and Mm. Yafit Koto. And it's this sort of um, really fantastic talk, sort of study of the power of corruption, power of money, Mm. and how it can sort of impact and manipulate. Uh, one's personal values, your sort of moral compass, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's this idea of the working man fighting for what's right, but at the same time, when they're sort of picked off and isolated by these sort of higher powers, you know, corrupted, yeah, essentially yeah. so easily, you know. So there's, yeah. I mean, that is a fucking great film. I mean, Richard Pryor, and that's superb. I mean, they're all great. It's three fantastic performances from three fantastic actors. But yeah, it's um, just interesting that there is this sort of, like we say, this social consciousness about the way society is going and, and how it's sort of impacting in many ways the people in the lowest rungs of society. Oh, yeah, okay, right. Because these films do tend to deal with sort of struggling in people. Yeah. You know, whether it be like people haunted by past traumas of conflict like Travis Bickle or Major Charles Rain from Rolling Thunder, for example. You know, these are people that are, by the their nature of their experience have fallen down the cracks yeah. into, into the lowest depths of society. Mm. Then you've got, you know, film like Hardcore, which is about 
a descent into that from the right. perspective of a devoutly religious man going trying to find his daughter who's sunk into this world of sort of what he perceives as depravity, yeah, you know, porn, mm. drug use, violence. Yeah. So it, it does seem about sort of going into this this mire, either either finding people in it or having a character that sort of pulls you into it. Yeah, yeah. And saying something again, there's a few times already, but saying something about wider society. So social consciousness, I think, is something that shouldn't be ignored. Yeah, yeah. I think you can sometimes, you know, I think it's hard to do. It's easy for us to, to sit here and say that you shouldn't ignore those things. Of mm. course, if you find it difficult, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But I think it would be a shame to miss out on someone I think has got a really keen eye for social commentary uh, through the lens of these sort of struggling, depraved, or sort of wounded psychologically or physical mm. uh, individuals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, that's good. I um, I think the card counter is kind of an interesting example of that as well <coughs> because it, the card counter isn't concerned with anyone who's been left behind in terms of like being part of a society. He's sort of chosen to leave it behind himself because of what he knows he's like and what. He he knows he's capable of when he enters society as well. Right, so it's like okay. quite often about uh, past choices and the and the uh, the removal of that person from the wider world and kind of leading them to become a little bit more insular is like a choice for them. And same with Master Gardener as well. But like, yeah, that that film, the Car Can, is really interesting in that uh, he he kind of gets pulled back into it not through choice but through sort of just circumstance. Mm. Um, Again, it, sometimes a lot of his films can be sort of similarly plotted. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that is a bit of a problem. I do think with his films is like the the plot ends up being quite similar. Although that might speak to what you know his sort of trans. How, how do you pronounce it? Trans transcendental transcendental side is that you know they they are but. but the film, the films aren't really that concerned with plot. They are majorly concerned with character, and that's one of the car counter's real strengths. Mm. The way Oscar Isaac portrays this very lonely, very um, almost embarrassed about his past choices, uh, to the extent where it's sort of influencing his current behaviour. Skilled, very skilled at one thing. So you got taxi driver, really good at driving taxis, <laughs> uh, gardening, uh, being a priest. <laughs> <laughs> or counting cards, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's the same, and it's, it's, yeah, there's a through line there with, with all of his films, and uh, I would definitely, I mean, I'll stop going on about it in a second, but I would recommend no, no. watching The Card Counter, because it is like, some something which grew on me after, quite a while after I mm. watched it, and it's something that sort of sticks in my memory as being like quite a, a real gem, uh, yeah. but it might take a while to get to that point. So. It's interesting with Trader's films because it sometimes feels like every, certainly some of the new ones, I think First Reform's got quite a lot of buzz, but The Card Counter, which I haven't seen, it's just one of those things I have every intention of seeing it, but it just falls down the pile. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and again, as you, I'm sure as you can tell, I'm a huge fan of his, so it's not any reflective of, of his skill as a filmmaker. But even with like Master Gardner, as someone that you know loves his work and values him incredibly, particularly in the lens of American cinema... I had no idea this film was coming out. No, same. And it yeah, literally yeah. just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I do think that his films have that. They just sort of, they just sort of they come in <laughs> yeah. and then they go. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's, I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's because of his sort of recent stance on things like, you know, the woke culture. Yeah. It's attacks on those sorts of things. and um, But it's just interesting. Maybe. I mean, you must get funding from somewhere. Like, Master Garden had a budget of almost five million dollars, but I mean I know that's not actually that much in the context of like making a film. But uh, I mean, yeah. some big hitters in that movie. I mean, it's not as yeah. if Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were gonna. Well, Zendaya was almost in it. Oh really? And uh, yeah, she pulled out. I think at the last minute. Was it a scheduling? Clash? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Was like yeah I think I remember reading that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. June or something. But um, and then obviously Joel Edgerton. Uh, so yes, it's interesting how some his films do just come and go. Like I'd never heard of the Car Counter until Lee, Lee lent it to me on Blu-ray. I remember it got. I think I saw a poster for it on IMDb once, yeah, and then yeah. it just left. And yeah, like you say, yeah. it just kind of dis- disappeared, which is really unusual considering the the guy wrote Taxi Driver. Yeah, and he's um, still making good movies. I yeah, mean, he consist not you know, semi consistently. I think his last three films I haven't seen Card Counter, but I'll take you guys' word for it, and mm. I'm sure I will enjoy it. But 
Mm. This guy's consistent. I mean, he, again, looking through his films in the sort of seventies as a writer into the eighties and nineties, you know, as a, as a filmmaker, you know, there's a fairly strong vein of consistency in his work. Mm. There's some duds though, right? I mean, yep. what was, talk to me about this Lindsay Lohan vehicle. Oh man, yeah. So I just watched the Master Gardener. It was like half nine, and I was like, I could get another Schrader film in here. Uh, and the canyons are something that I, I sometimes go down a rabbit hole about reading about nightmarish productions. Always starts with Apocalypse Now. Like, I love reading about oh, how yeah, that film yeah, was made. Yeah. And it's really fascinating about... You know, I just find it fascinating reading about the the process and how the process can go so wrong, and yet there's this masterpiece at the end mm-hmm. of it. And, uh, and The Canyons came up. Uh, okay. Lin- Lindsay Lohan, James Dean, with two E's, uh, notable for being effectively a, a, a porn actor. Oh, he's, uh, is he is he a major Yeah, he's, he's in it a lot. Like wow. he's he does more acting than Lindsay Lohan in it. Like he's quite How is he he, in second it? billing. Sorry? How is he in it as an actor? Uh, not brilliant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what I assumed, but I didn't want to sort of just assume on the basis that he's in porn. But he, he plays like this sort of smarmy film producer and uh it just doesn't work. Like he he looks too young for a start to be like a film producer. He looks at about 25 in it. But anyway, yeah, I, I thought I'd watch it because I heard about how much of a nightmare it was to make, uh, largely sort of stemming from Lindsay Lohan's like addiction troubles. troubles yeah, 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 yeah. So um, that made it quite tough to make, apparently. So I was like, right, let's give it a go. Let's see what the end product was like. It's it's so odd because you can tell Schrader really tried to tap into something and tried to sort of tap into those themes that we'd just been discussing. Uh, I think he's trying to comment on the you know the the sort of uh, superficiality of Los Angeles and the, the superficiality of uh, of the film business, mm-hmm. but it ends up playing like a sort of nine hundred two one zero episode, but with more sex. <laughs> and it, and it's really it's like really amateur. A lot of aspects of it are really amateur. Like the the way it's shot is just odd. Sometimes it looks quite nice and clean and crisp. And other times it's like really noisy. It's like it was one of those films that sort of looks like it was shot half on an iPhone. Right. Um, okay. And, uh, and that happens a lot recently. Like I watched a Ben Wheatley film that did that uh, in the earth. It just inexplicably cuts to iPhone footage. Yeah. It really irritates me. It was actually iPhone footage. It, I could tell. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah. In, in the you earth, be able yeah. to with your technical <laughs> Yeah, it was iPhone. I think it was an iPhone. Um, yeah, and it just—it's just curiously unfinished. I, I think I think he might have—he must have just lost faith in it halfway through. The casting's pretty shit as well. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, I actually didn't mind Lohan in it. I thought she was all right. Like, she plays her character well. Of like, what sort of scraps of it there are, and then he's just hired these sort of like hunky TV boys in it that just can't really act properly. You know, yeah, there seems to be a sort of an influx of those kind of people that end up in like teen dramas or vampire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True Blood. Yeah, boys, right? yeah, yeah. The kind mean? of like American, yeah. sort of like fairly handsome men that have just been grafted out of ham. Yeah, yeah. And completely. sort of had like humanity somehow bestowed upon them, and they've just been pushed out into the world to sort of yeah. just never age and constantly be like Chad the werewolf by yeah. night until mm. they're fifty-eight. Yeah. Zero charisma though. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely no wafer thin. I'm not bitter. <laughs> no, um, no, no. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And it's interesting as well because obviously I would imagine I haven't seen the movie and I know very little about it apart from the fact that it was troubled by, you know, with Lohan because that obviously comes up in mm. um, when you read about sort of film productions. Yeah, game, as you said, yeah. that comes up. But yeah. it's interesting that he's probably trying to make a film that skirts with that darkness that yes. these characters are enveloped in. Mm. Hence the, the casting of James Dean. Yeah, so <laughs> weird. Uh, and, and Lohan herself, you know, and you like the idea of that paying off. Yeah, I really because did. Because that yeah. would have added like a real sort of, to say, I can't think of a word for the lack of it, a meta sort yeah. of study of yeah. you know, culture and, and... Hollywood. It would have been like his Mulholland Drive yeah, if it had done yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, But it isn't. <laughs> it really came to mind. This is such a fucking yeah. deep cut and way out of the realms of this film. But you, you know JCVD? You seen that? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So do you know, like that sort of reflective uh, mediation on like bargain bin actor life. Yes, bargain bin action film star started out as like a genius, as not a genius, but as someone that was loved and revered mm. worldwide. Was in big, heavy hitting blockbuster films in the sort of um, early to mid, even late nineties. Yeah, yeah. Forced etch out of life. Yeah, as a sort of straight to DVD. <laughs> 
uh, bargain bin action star for Second sort of the rate. kind of men who buy Nuts magazine. Yeah. Or Edward, used to. Edward Furlong is another example of yeah, like, yeah. That, that trajectory. You know. And I just thought it was interesting mentioning in that, in that ilk because that's a film that really does it really mm. well. It sort of wrestles with the idea of the nature of celebrity and yeah. culture and being chewed up and spat out and the sort of personal problems that he had in his life and he fuses it all together into quite a meaningful movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the idea of the sort of separation between the martial arts star and the actor and yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's a real aside. No, no. It, it, it but you know, when those films work, you know, yeah. they, they commit to it and it's even shot in a kind of shitty way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's sort of reflective of those really naff action films that are literally just there for like 50 year old blokes to sort of fist pump at 3am in the morning when they can't sleep. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah, you're right. I don't know. It's interesting. And I, I think they can work. So I mm. can sort of see what. Even though I've not seen the film, my only reference point is JCVD at this current time. Um, I can sort of see that that intention. Yeah, I, and the, that intention is completely there. It just it, it just doesn't stick the landing, unfortunately. Um, I would say watch it for a bit. Don't see like I've only got an hour in myself. <laughs> like it could it could get amazing in the last thirty eight minutes. I'm yeah, not yeah, sure. Yeah. But like just it's an oddity and it's quite curious and there's some there is some quite good moments in it, like out of nowhere, like there's some quite tense moments. But um uh, yeah, it it's too graphic as well. Like I feel like there was no need for it to be that sort of gratuitous. It doesn't feel like it serves anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't help that it was clearly shot on like multiple different cameras. It all it all feels a bit seedy. Um, yeah. I mean that might speak again to sort of Trader's more sort of incendiary side, that side yeah, that likes yeah. to ruffle feathers. Yeah, yeah and he, I think he was trying here. Uh, yeah, it just didn't work. Briefly want to mention as well, um, Dominion prequel to The Exorcist, which he directed. Um, and it was this was a film, again, really troubled production. He, he shot it. Uh, the studio was like, this is shit. <laughs> Literally, like, I think they even sort of said it to his face. They're like... Right, don't knock down any of the sets. You're out. Sorry, mate. We're going to get uh, Rennie Harlan in of oh. Die, Die Hard 2 fame as the replacement. Steady hands. Yeah. He, he was a fairly steady pair of hands I at mean, that time. Yeah, yeah, he's done a few bangers. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, he did Cliffhanger, that Stallone just, film. Yeah, great, great movie. Yeah, 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 I like that movie. Uh, I quite like him in Nightmare on Elm Street 4 as well. That yeah. was him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so... Is that Dream Warriors? Uh, that's, that's three. That's three, yeah. This sorry. is the dream. Oh, sorry. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> Please email it. I apologise on yeah as well. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Uh, this is the dream master. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> um, no, but yeah. So they got him in, and Rennie Harlan. Or even though I think Dominion was like thirty million dollars it cost to make, Rennie Harlan spent an extra eighty five doing the whole thing again, shooting the whole film again, and that that film is called uh, Exorcist: The Beginning. Okay. So there's two prequels to The Exorcist. One of them is Paul Schrader film. The other one is Rennie Harlan. And they're really weirdly similar in a lot of ways. Like, the script is the same. A lot Schrader of, write it? Uh, I can't actually remember if he wrote it. Um, Google it. I know, I think Blatty might have had a hand in writing uh, okay. it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but it's so weird. So there's this weird, like, artifact where you have the one that got released in cinemas, Rennie Harlan's version, and then Paul Schrader, like, scraped money together like apparently asked a band to do the music for free that kind of thing and like made dominion so and they're the same movie (laughs) like there's a lot of the same sets but there's a couple of shots which make it into both films same cast by and large i think all the costumes and stuff and yeah that's just like i mean i'm going on a bit about it now but it's a real it's a real oddity like that artifact that paul schrader was involved with yeah and i mean i think he was probably selected for his uh a lot of his films are sort of semi about religion and things like that. So mm, yeah, they yeah, must have thought, theme. you know, that this guy's a safe pair of hands. And then he went off on uh, on and did his own thing, <laughs> and they didn't like it. So yeah, I would say I would say Dominion's better. I think it's the better one of the two. Okay. Um, but yeah, watch both of them if you have a spare four hours because <laughs> it's like really fascinating watching a good rain it sounds like a sort of good thing to do on a rainy Sunday yeah yeah just yeah, a yeah. sort of Exorcist prequel Schrader Rennie Harlan kind of afternoon <laughs> yeah <laughs> I wonder who came on top in the end yeah yeah uh, interesting yeah it's interesting to sort of point those sort of things out because he you know he's not without controversy he's not without controversy may be wrong he's not without having 
those moments, those troubled productions, yeah, definitely. those scrapes. He's obviously a bit of a maverick and someone that will do what he wants to do. Yeah, he's think, an auteur in that respect. Yeah, yeah, there's something auteurish about that, isn't there? That sort of desire to champion his vision. Yeah. Um, not to be dissuaded by money men. Yeah, yeah. You know, which absolutely. I've always, even if the end project is shit, I, I like sort it. of admire yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's a fantasy of a view in some mm. cases. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, weird, interesting. Weird thing to do with the franchise. I, I don't, I don't yeah, know what he yeah. expected. Like, I, I don't know why they thought he, he he could just, you know, they'd let him get on with it. Obviously, they're not going <laughs> to. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they want it to, like, they're giving him $30 million. Like, they're going to want it to make money. Um, yeah. And a lot of his films don't tend to make that much money and if it's like five million like Card Counter or Master Gardener that doesn't matter like no. you know it'll probably make money back through streaming ancillary revenues and stuff like that anyway but um, yeah with, with The Exorcist yeah I maybe not really, yeah really yeah. Uh, managed to get that back mm. interesting American Gigolo oh, have you seen fuck. that Richard Gere no I have not seen very it. good yeah. people rag on that movie but I really like it Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Just quickly, I, I mean, you know, we, we should really start talking about the Master Gardener, but yeah. <laughs> I just felt compelled. I even wrote in notes, defend American Gigolo. Oh, there you go. Because I love it. I'll give it a watch. Yeah, it's good. I think I've got a DVD. Oh, nice. Sorry, yeah, yeah. please but it's, do. Um, it's, I don't know, like, it's uh, a film I think perfectly embodies the sort of seediness of the 80s really, really well. Right, okay. And the sort of, again, we talked about this a lot in our sort of previous episodes about how. Uh, how your perception of an era is sculpted by the culture of that and, and you know, how, how you choose to engage with that culture of that era. Right, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people sort of who are positive about the movie point to it as being a sort of powerful mediation on the sort of the excess of the 80s. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I think it's great. Really, really good movie. It has been a while since I've seen it. I've only seen it the once. And it just... I was expecting to be, like, really disappointed by it. And mm. I just fucking loved it. Oh, yeah. right, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. Worth a go. So, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that. American Gigolo, Richard Gere. Cat, you've seen Cat People? I have it. It arrived the other day and I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, me I've seen I... the original. Okay. But I've not seen his remake. So I'm interested to. Yeah, yeah, I'd be. I haven't seen it either. Just FYI, I thought maybe we can watch it, and I think we made this joke last time, but we could tack it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of a a view on it. (laughs) There'll be a little pause in a minute, and then it will be clearly in a different room. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. Cat people, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, Master Gardener. Then, so we talk about these themes and ideas in in Trader's work: redemption, a checkered past, or a backstory of horror or terror. Yeah, uh, that has often lends itself to some sort of mental frailty, mental instability. Yeah, that, yeah, that has left this character to sort of live on the periphery. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the case of this, it is a film about a character who is on the path to redemption. Yes, and mired by that past and brought yeah. into a situation through, as we sort of alluded to earlier, a sort of a, a love yes. story. So the love yeah. story element brings to light that side of him that he is so desperately trying to mm. um, move away from. Yeah, yeah. Through the magic of horticulture. Yes. <laughs> what were your sort of initial thoughts coming out of of the film? Because you said the first 10 minutes you were a little bit unsure. Yeah. Um, in terms of the things we've talked about, the elements of Schrader's work, this sort of filmmaker he is, mm. does this film feel like a sort of a necessary continuation of those ideas? Ultimately, yes. Uh, it was very similar. Like, like I already said before, like the plot. I was can like see that. Very similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it did have. I love it, but I can see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it did have as uh, enough uniqueness for me to sort of enjoy it on its own terms. Um, I thought it it was wasn't very subtle, but it didn't need to be. I think Trader doesn't been, really do that. No, subtlety yeah. isn't really his game. Because no. I thought the same thing. I thought fucking the mm. scene with the gun firing. Oh, I yeah, thought that's yeah. such classic Trader. But yeah. anyone else, I've been pissed off by that. Yeah, but yeah. I just thought the man's still got it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can pull it off. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, there is something quite enjoyable about it. And it was an easy sit. I, I could I sat through it quite comfortably. Mm. Like it wasn't you know. Sometimes you sort of have I have a tendency to sort of check my phone or like you get a bit disinterested but I was quite hooked by it ultimately yeah, and by, yeah. by his sort of plight and that speaks to like how good Schrader is at bringing compassion to morally ambiguous characters you know yeah. I mean the guy was a Nazi sympathiser yeah, yeah. that's part a, of the he plot he was a white supremacist yeah right? yeah, yeah effectively yeah and it, and the way he plays with that and the way that he, he you know there, there's that bit where he sort of says 
I, I thought about removing the tattoo. He's got all these tattoos, a sort yeah. of horrible Nazi insignia. And um, he's like, I thought about it, but I, I chose not to. And that's, and I kind of weirdly felt for him in that moment. I was like, he kind of, he doesn't want to forget, explicitly forget what he's done before. He wants to keep it in a little box somewhere mm. as something that he can kind of privately revisit and, yeah. and mediate on. Yeah. And I think that that actually would help him on his journey to towards redemption. Yeah. Uh, you know, as in, and not not kind of choosing to forget about it. In, in you know he, he kind of needs that to be there and he needs those memories to stay quite fresh mm. i thought that was really kind of clever and really interesting yeah what what, what were your thought what your thought it was sort of largely similar or? yeah i think so I, I really really liked the movie a lot it, it, um the one thing that was really missing was the sort of religious element mm, okay uh, yeah i yeah. guess he sort of really tapped into that with first reformed as it's sort of explicitly about religion yeah explicitly yeah. about the idea of you know, we talked earlier about that transcendental one of the so one of the key uh, aspects of transcendental cinema is that sort of stasis, that sort of floating yeah. almost rudlessly through. Yeah, yeah. And I think it really is really striking of First Reformed because the rudlessness comes from wanting answers and not getting them explicitly from your God, yeah, the God yeah. that you've dedicated your life to, mm. and you're sort of becoming steadily more and more enveloped by this sort of rhetoric of fear regarding the climate crisis yeah, yeah it feels like humanity is on the edge of something that it cannot reverse mm. and the one thing that you think would give you solace doesn't yeah yeah, you know? yeah. and i just think that's such a and it play it tight it's something that works so well with schrader's style yeah definitely um but i mean back to uh, <laughs> master gardener but it's not in yeah, that okay. religious element's not there, which is not that's not a criticism. I think it's interesting to see him move away from that and focus mm. more explicitly on that sort of um, that sort of idea of redemption. I think it's the most challenging character he's ever created. Okay, yeah, to, to, for that path of redemption. Yeah, um, yeah. We sort of touched on this earlier. I think it's. I can completely understand why some people would be really turned off by that. Oh yeah, yeah. But it in, is, you know. But interestingly, and this is something I wanted to run by another question. Do you think the film works as a comment on experience as a tool of healing as opposed to incarceration? Yeah, I didn't think about that. And that, do you know what, this yeah, isn't yeah. necessarily my... I'm stealing this opinion. I've not even asked the person. It's our friend Eleanor that I went to see the film with. Oh, right. And she okay. said it was really interesting that the way the film depicts this idea of, you know, obviously he goes out. And, and takes a horticulture and, and just sort of connects with it immediately and it becomes mm. essential to his healing process and becoming yeah, someone yeah. else. Mm. Um, Cultivation. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's a very literal metaphor, oh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Growing something. There's a lot of voiceover of which sort of ham, hammers yeah. that home as yeah. well. So, <laughs> and again, in any other any other hands, it'd be hokey as fuck. But yeah. because it's Schrader, man, you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. cuddle you on the boat. <laughs> That's not an expression, but I just want to cuddle him on a boat. <laughs> Um, I thought, mate, is that an expression? Yeah, like, well, no, 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 definitely not. Um, yeah. But it's really, I just want to run that idea by you that, mm. that we talk about the prison system and incarceration and how high the statistical likelihood is of you reoffending. Yes. On the basis that the prison system is ineffective. It's more just sort of out of sight, out of mind. Mm. Re-releasing these people back into the world and you're sort of re-releasing them back into the same circles. Yeah, yeah. The same mindset that they are supposed to have been cured from yeah. during their period in prison. Mm. Uh, and now whilst the film doesn't sort of explicitly deal with that, it's more spoilers. You know, Edgerton's character basically rats out all of his contacts in his uh uh, white supremacist organization yeah and as a result he's given a new identity by and he gets his own case officer yes and he is allowed to etch out this new life as a result so it's not necessarily as explicit in the sense that it deals with this idea of being a comment on that but i think it's interesting that she brought that up and i was really thinking about that quite a lot and i wanted your take on that what do you think so yeah I, it's that's the first time i, I didn't i didn't the, the the kind of puzzle pieces didn't fit for me when I was watching it, but yeah, no, you're totally right. I think, although there are moments in the film where he clearly kind of goes back to what he was like mm. before, but then he, even so, he's using it for for good for a good reason. All of a sudden, so it's quite clear. It was quite clear to me that all of his sort of troubling thoughts and feelings towards you know, ethnic minorities they've all disappeared. Like I, he didn't. 
he sort of appeared to me it appeared to me like he was almost entirely rehabilitated from that through the medium of gardening (laughs) as opposed to incarceration so yeah i think in that in that respect it it does that kind of it does have it does have something to say and there is Mm. something to be said for passionate individuals let's say and using that passion for the force of good (laughs) as opposed to the force of evil um and good and evil uh, some you know things that he kind of plays with quite a bit in his films. Yeah, so, yeah. I think even in the scene where he breaks those guys' legs with the hammer. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. Uh, big spoiler. Yeah. But I mean, even though it's obviously for an outwardly more an outwardly better outcome, there is still something quite unsettling about that. Is he's revisiting that part of himself, which yeah. I think is classic Schrader. Mm. You know, it's not as quite as clear cut. Yeah, um, I mean the ending sort of is bizarrely clear cut, but I think it boils back to that sort of fantasy element. We I thought so. Yeah, definitely. But I, I, I agree with you. Just before we jump on the fantasy thing, I think that the film is is quite a powerful uh, comment on that in some ways. Mm. Again, you know, a white supremacist gunman. You know, it's a hard sell, and I yeah, completely man. fucking understand it if you don't buy that. Yeah, but I also think it's not necessarily cinemas job to reflect the need for stories that are sort of very black and white about that yeah yeah um i think schrader has done this and, and i'm not sort of forgiving the elements of the film on that basis yeah yeah but i just think that by doing that he's asking some more interesting questions about the nature of how we deal with these people mm, yeah. and you know i mean edgerton's character even says you know i was born into a world that hated people like you. Yes, that's right. That. Um, that's a really great scene, actually, and, in that cafe. And it just it just makes you wonder, like, how unfortunate... It makes you feel how unfortunate he was to have been born into that. Yeah, And yeah. to be raised into that world. Mm. And to in, sort of in, to sort of inherit those, those hate, that deep hatred. Mm. And of the fact that he has sort of reversed, that shows that he probably didn't really feel it that strongly in the first place. No, I think it, it was it was the influence. I got the impression it was the influence of others. Yeah, yeah, and that he's, which is probably central to yeah, hatred in many ways. Completely, yeah, yeah. And I feel I mean, like, I'm saying that with no knowledge, but I mean, I'm <laughs> sure there are some people out there that are just fucking wrongans. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying he isn't a wrongan either, by the way. I mean, yeah, yeah. The film explores it. Fairly well, you know, in the allotted time, there are some moments you think, fucking hell, this guy was a fucking nutter. Oh, so. man, yeah, yeah. And when, you know, we're not, you know, we're not trivialising those moments in the film, but I think no. this is a this is a, a part of our society that unfortunately exists. Mm, and yeah. how are we going to deal with that in a way that is going to be, the outcome is hopefully going to be positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, that thought. is interesting. I didn't think about that side of it at all. Um but it's actually like thinking about it. It's quite a strong side to the to the movie to yeah. consider. So there you go. That's really interesting. Um, I would have liked to have seen more gardening in it. Weirdly, <laughs> I'm not. I know that. Sorry, we were kind of dealing with some quite hefty themes. Just no. Then. It's nice like, to move on to the gardening because yeah, it is yeah. you know, uh, a lovely pursuit. Yeah, I just thought. Um, like he, she starts explaining stuff about gardening. I was like, I like that in films where someone re- who clearly knows what they're talking about. The, the character knows what yeah, talking about yeah. anyway, like really gets deeper. Like Aaron Sorkin's quite good at it. Yeah. He's quite good at like someone who's ridiculously passionate, just really delving into a subject area that, that the audit the audience might not know that much about. And um and he starts it and I was like, Oh, here we go, I'm lo- loving this and then it is sort of sort of drifts away and he doesn't ever really uh deliver on that promise or what I perceive to be the promise anyway of him yeah. just going on about flowers for ages which weirdly I kind of wanted <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I don't know but I, the film isn't really con- that concerned with gardening weirdly uh, it's no. more, it is more about human beings and the way they react to passion and the way they react to their past and how they're going to Go on whilst like go on living, go on living. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, would have liked to have seen more gardening in it. <laughs> uh, I don't know Three why. Stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that fantasy element that we talked about, I think that mm. you know, so central to films like Taxi Driver, First Reformed, the ending of First Reformed. Oh yeah, yeah. The sort of superimposition of fantasy. You know, it, it felt quite strong to me in this film. Yeah, the, the trajectory of the romance. 
Yes. Uh, you know, being with a girl that's significantly younger than him. He loves an age gap, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, I know. It's yeah. a bit, oh, God. And, you know, that, um, that but goes you know, both ways as well. Like, he's yeah. this Sigourney Weaver character. He's like a sort of sexual relationship with oh, her yeah. at the Oh, yeah. That's quite well played out, I yeah, thought. I do, yeah, it kind of works. It sort of speaks to the idea of that, that sort of wealth, that American old wealth. Yes, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's something sort of weirdly dark and yeah. sort of horrible about it. <laughs> I, I thought Sigourney Weaver was excellent in sort of carrying that sort of quiet because mm. that's sort of like there's a decorum and a way to act proper yeah it masks this sort of like childlike impulsiveness that can only have been yeah. developed through getting everything you want yes yeah, you know and yeah. I think and I think Sigourney Weaver really deals with that really well she and does, does that yeah. well so I, was in, yeah, I forgot about that that romance but you know a younger incredibly attractive woman mm. who by all accounts should be vehemently opposed to his yes history as as a, as a white supremacist gunman uh but it ends up after a sort of fairly sort of abrasive uh scene when she confronts him about his tattoos it sort of turns quite quickly mm. and it makes me wonder about that fantasy element and yeah i'm not sure if, if schrader's really commented on that too much um uh, but I don't know, like, I just find it really interesting that it resolves in a way that sort of, it's kind of like a nice little package, very neatly tied up, mm. and it makes me think that's fantasy. Has yeah. to be. I mean, there's that scene, like we sort of alluded to earlier, of um, when they're driving that car through the, in the into the night and all those flowers start blooming. Yeah, around, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Very overtly a fantasy element. Um, and that kind of, that made me wonder, coupled with actually the bit right at the end, you know, when um, he comes back to the garden and like Semi gets welcomed back. Yeah. And then he says, he's got like terms for his return. Yeah, yeah. Sigourney Weaver's like, I'll only come back if you let me live with this girl as like husband and wife. Yeah. And then she's basically like, no, that's mental. Are you mental? And he's like, right, I'll see you later. And then it's like it, it's like he's believed it's worked. Yeah, <laughs> and he goes yeah. back to and they start dancing and you're just like, I don't think this is going to... Hmm, yeah, uh, all right. Yeah. But, and there is something dis- disjointed about that. Um, and uh, yeah, I did get that, that vibe that that ending might not be as happy as it appears. It's interesting as well because we talk about the side characters and I think you made a really great point earlier about these side characters um, almost sort of like trying to pull the main characters out of this moral quagmire. Yeah, But yeah. these characters also have their own issues and in the case of the love interest here she mm. is wrestling with drug addiction yes yeah and a sort of uh, a life uh, appears anyway as the as Sigourney Weaver's character alludes to uh, a very difficult life growing up yeah yeah um with a with a mother who had her own issues mm. and uh, I don't know it sort of speaks again to the idea of the, the, the shared fantasy almost which yeah. is something that Schrader dabbles with a little bit um yeah. I don't know. I, it's interesting. It sort of makes not only does it sort of have this more interesting comment about uh, the nature of sort of mental health treatment, but it also is just classic Schrader in the sense that he's obviously just wanting to, you know, ruffle feathers in a way that is for a meaningful end. Yeah, yeah. He's not just going, "Ha ha, fuck you, you yeah, lot," you know. Yeah. Um, but again, like if you see it that way, I, I can't really. I could. I could totally see that argument too. To be fair. Mm, yeah. Um, but no, I, I really, yeah, I think you're right about that, that it, it is fantastical and there's something chilling within the fantasy. Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, yeah. And something unresolved, which again speaks to that sort of transcendental, how many times have we fucking said that? <laughs> you said it right. I, I said yeah. it wrong earlier, mate, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair, it probably isn't right. We realise like three weeks time I'm saying it wrong. First email from Paul Schrader. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Slag me off, will you? Yeah, yeah. You fucking losers. Uh, that'd be amazing if you yeah. did that. I'd that'd love that. So good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it speaks to that style, that sort of mm. without answers, because it's something that, you know, unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be many answers no. <laughs> as to how, to how to deal with it in a meaningful way. Yeah. Um, or at least answers that have been put into practice into a meaning, in a meaningful way anyway. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. Again, straying into topics I know very little about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But uh, I, I think it's a really, really great film, a really powerful addition to his filmography. Mm. Apparently, he's not done. He wants to make something else. Good. So I'm glad. I like that these filmmakers that are like well into their seventies are just fucking chugging along making oh, movies like you know Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. He, he can't be stopped. He's a beast. Uh, you know, we'll obviously review his film hundred percent. 
Oh, yeah, Killers of the Flower. Yeah, 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 definitely. Trader wants to do another. You've got Spielberg still chugging away. You know, these titans of you know, the movie brats, right? The, yeah, the, titan, yeah. the titans of sort of you know new American cinema still chugging on. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Bizarre. Zemeckis, although Zemeckis hasn't done anything good in a while, I'd quite like to see him do something good again. The last good film I saw of his was Flight, I think. Yeah, I thought Flight yeah. was okay. Flight, Flight was pretty Flight. good. Um, yeah. I mean, he's quite middling. Anyway, he's a bit like Ridley Scott in that it's like a, you know, it can go drastically wrong for him, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, quick, back to Master Gardener. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think a really worthy addition, uh, and I think it really sort of embodies a lot of those ideas of his filmography, mm. and it makes for a challenging watch. And I yeah. would implore anyone, even if you feel that by our discussion that it won't be for you, to, to watch it. Because I think, yeah. again, cinema should still challenge us. Yeah. You don't um, have to. I don't think you have to like Joel Edgerton's character. In it. I don't no. think you have to like him. No, no, no. Yeah, you, you just have to be with him on the journey. Yeah, and also get you know if you if you're thinking in the first ten minutes, mm, not sure about this. Keep stick with it because yeah. it does get it turns into something quite special uh, and something quite even despite what I said earlier, quite earlier, quite unique as well. Yeah, so, yeah. I I liked it a lot. I thought it was um, quite weird. Yeah, and entertaining I don't know why it was entertaining Trader does that man his yeah. films are entertaining like mm. he, he will you know you will have you'll be you know there'll be tension there'll be yeah. you know I watched a film just as a quick aside before we do the outro I watched a yeah, Rolling Thunder and that is a fucking ridiculous movie yeah but it's like again that sort of Vietnam era sort of trauma that right sort of yeah collective and individual trauma of the nation and the way that that, that patriotism and he's sort of waving the flags and Gifting the the veterans, um, you know, cars and stuff <laughs> right, as tokens yeah. of appreciation. It's all artifice. It's all surface level. Yeah, yeah. The way the characters respond to him when he starts telling them stories about how the Vietnamese tortured him mm. and gouged out his humanity, oh, they don't want to know. And it's emblematic of that sort of attitude to the fallout from America's yeah. imperialist. Uh, attempts at imperialism yeah. and it's also weird because outwardly it's the most wacky film because he has a hook for a hand <laughs> his okay. hand gets put in a what do they have in America those things you put your food in oh Waste gar- a garbage disposal go garbage yeah, disposal yeah. he gets his hand put in that he, fuck and he gets and he kill his, to kill his family these guys <laughs> nick some coins and he goes in a tale of vengeance <laughs> I don't know I don't know why I thought I'd bring you up at the end but that's right yeah, it's good it's fresh <laughs> in the mind but it's nice. again Another interesting film is filmography. And I can't remember how it links to what we were talking about, but it's staying anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Listeners will know because they just listened to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Schrader's back and we love it. Yes, good stuff. Outro. Outro. Questing the cinematic void. There we have it then. So there we do have it indeed, yes. There we <laughs> Schrader, Master Gardener. Very good. Yeah. Uh, on to next week. Yes. So we have pretty much all but confirmed exploitation mm-hmm. cinema discussion for next week. Yeah, very excited. Very much excited about that. Ever since me, you, and our dear friend Alfie, fellow Cineboy, Cineman, mm-hmm. uh, were drunkenly chatting about podcast episode ideas now, so for a few months ago, I've just been s- just so up for it. The moment yeah. he said the term exploitation and the films that are attached to it, it's just... Yeah, I've been so excited to talk about it. I haven't it, so. forgotten about it, yeah, and I keep I'm trying to watch as many as I can. Um, yeah. It's quite hard, actually, because it's to quite find difficult them. to be. Yeah, it's difficult to find them. It's difficult to be in the mood for them as well. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah, managed yeah. Green Street so far. Watch that. I'm going to watch Rise I mean, of that the is, Soldier. That is fucking hell. <laughs> I, do you know, I've, I've, I keep trying to find Rise of the Foot Soldier, and for a while I'm sure it was on Netflix, but yeah. now it's just all of the sequels but not the original I was just going to say all the sequels yeah. are on there it's really strange so I might have to just watch all the sequels yeah. and try to remember my hazy memory of a shit film but, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm really up for that discussion I think it'll yeah. be a lot to lay into there which yeah. we haven't done in a while so I'm looking forward to it definitely yeah uh, following on from that either next week or the week after we'll see how it goes mm. obviously depending on you know what happens but we want to also cover Flash yeah yeah the new Flash film uh, DC's effort to try and sort of wreck on the whole Snyderverse yeah not the Bleach the film yeah <laughs> don't want to review the Bleach that yeah. would be weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry go on <laughs> no it's good uh, and sort of set everything up for 
James Gunn's attempt mm. to um, put DC in a similar pegging as Marvel yes. in a landscape that even though the money is still around, it feels like there's a growing sense of fatigue around the genre. I think so. So it's going to be interesting to to, to uh, see how that goes. And indeed, this, this film. Mm. And obviously everything with Ezra Miller as well. I mean, it's very strange. There's I've, a lot of strangeness around this movie. Yeah, I've been kind of... I've, been keeping up with that actually it's really See, odd. i don't know really that much about it i know the key details but mm, it's 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 unusual and it's quite sad as well i think ultimately it's just sort of quite sad and he's not billed like on the posters or anything like i mean he's in it he's but he's in costume and stuff like I yeah think. Okay. it's interesting the way warner brothers have approached that and you know their decision not to recast reshoot everything and kind of based on test screenings as well not based on wow, okay. like any kind of faith in him and and his sort of recovery. It's about test screenings and how much people apparently loved it in test screenings. Anyway, we'll go go more about this another time. But yes. uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe you know, hopefully we can get a couple in the bag. But um, yeah, we do. I really wanted to discuss that because I think the DC Warner Brothers thing is so fascinating. Mm, yeah. um, given their attempts to sort of um, ape Marvel's success, yeah, yeah, largely failing in doing so. Yep, and we might even flirt with a long-standing podcast series discussion about fandom because that's I think a big part of DC's current popularity and indeed the sort of negativity around its future which yeah. is so depressing to, <laughs> yeah. to to sort of take to sort of have to read about but there we go yeah in the meantime uh have a lovely week yes enjoy this episode enjoy uh, 18 other episodes yes. the big 20 next. it'd be fitting exploitation between I, I was actually. thinking that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah 20th fitting. episode yeah so yeah Uh, We will see you in the next one. See you then. Lots of love. See you later. Bye.